Morning, church. How'd that extra hour of sleep work for most of y'all? Yeah, good. Evidently, it's working really well for some others. We've got some holes, some gaps in uh, our audience. So glad to see everybody here today. How about this morning? It was 38 when I got up. I don't know what it was when you got up, but uh, nice, crisp, cool. That's awesome. I love that. So uh, I'm sure y'all got up and went for a run and got your energy, your blood flowing so that you'd be ready for worship. A lot of these going on. We are in a messy series. We're calling our series Messy, and I think I'm going to quit next week. So uh, we'll conclude Messy next week. Our, our lesson next week is Messy Church. Agendas, Issues, and Wants. So I plan on having a lot of fun, and uh, we'll see how that goes. Today, um, I've got a lot of baggage up here on stage because I wanted to illustrate some points. We understand baggage. We're all about baggage. When we move from one house to another house, we box stuff up and, and, and we take all of our baggage from one house that we've accumulated to another house. If, if we go to the airport, we understand baggage. We, we've got carry-ons. We've got all kinds of baggage. We, we understand baggage because we can't go anywhere without baggage. My computer has baggage, so I've got three external hard drives that I dump stuff off on on my computer. You know, women are great about baggage. Very few women I know go anywhere without some kind of tote, something, bag, whatever. I, I remember purses, bags, luggage that women would carry used to be pretty big, especially for moms. I mean, moms carry everything. I've got two brothers, two sisters. There were five of us, and, and so my mom took a shopping cart everywhere that... And, and, you know, moms have everything in their bags. Hey, mom, you have a pair of pliers? Yeah. Got a Band-Aid? Yeah. Got a 3 8 inch variable speed drill? Yeah. Got a sleeping bag? I mean, moms carry everything because we understand baggage. We carry baggage everywhere we go. And this is just the external baggage, if you will. I mean, consider all the baggage that's represented in this room today. All this stuff that you're carrying on the inside. All this stuff that's weighing you down today. I don't know what it is. I'm just guessing because we're humans. I mean, maybe you're carrying the weight of your mortgage today, some financial problems today, and it's just, it's just wearing you down trying to carry on with the financial matters Maybe you're carrying the weight of some relationships, relationships gone bad. Maybe you've struggled through a divorce. Maybe your parents are getting older. Maybe, you, you know, my parents won't listen and they need to do all this in the weight of your parents. Maybe your boyfriend just, your girlfriend just, maybe your kids are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Maybe they're not heading down the right road. The relationship baggage that we're carrying today and then the things we struggle with, the addictions, Pornography, bad habits, and then there's the baggage of the past that we carry with us, things that we did years ago, maybe decades ago, that's still weighing down on us, things we wished we hadn't done, sins we wished we hadn't committed, and, and it just weighs on us, and we continue to carry that. Maybe the baggage you carry today, maybe you had a bad church experience. Who 
hasn't had a bad church experience. Maybe the preacher did. Maybe the preacher didn't. Maybe the leadership did. Maybe the leadership didn't. Maybe a Christian brother or sister said something about you or cheated you or wronged you or slandered you. Who hasn't had a bad church experience? And it's like baggage that you have to carry around. I call this, I call this messy. I mean, here we are today, and we're all messy carrying baggage, but you wouldn't know, right? You wouldn't know because we, we dress up and we cover up our baggage, we cover up our mess. I mean, the last place that I would want to share my problems would be in church, right? I mean, the last place I would want to be transparent would be with Christian brothers and sisters, right? I mean, the last people I'd want to tell is church people. No sooner than I tell church people, I mean, the gossip train is running. Do you know what Richie did? I mean, it wouldn't surprise me to read in the bulletin next week. The last place I would want to share is with Christian brothers and sisters, right? Went to Albertsons this last week. I I needed to get a few grocery items. And so when I went to check out, the young man who was bagging my stuff, he said, Hey, how you doing? I said, I'm breathing. That's good. That's good. So he handed me my two bags. I didn't have very many items. And as I'm walking out, I kind of look over my shoulder and he's following me. I said, Hey, uh, what's up? I just want to make sure you're breathing. I just want to make sure you make it to your car in case I have to call 911. So I get out to my car, and he stands by the pole, and, and uh, he lights up a cigarette. He said, really, it's just my break time. I wasn't following you. He said, I know. Smoking's a bad habit. I've been doing it since I was 13. I said, how old are you? How old do I look? I said, no, just tell me. He said, I'm 20. Been smoking since I was 13. I know it's a bad habit, but I started stealing my mom and dad's cigarettes. And then I started, and then I started, and I was running with the wrong crowd, and he unloaded his baggage on me. And then he said, but you know what? I finally got my life right. You know how I got my life right? And I'm like, I don't know. Got me a woman. I said, a good woman? And he shrugged his shoulders and said, well, good enough to get me on track. So I said, I thought you were going to say you found you a good church. He said, you know, I used to go to church. Until I got old enough to realize that church people are a bunch of hypocrites. They say one thing and then at night they do all kinds of other stuff. He said, I found me a church, and he told me the town. And if I told you, some of y'all would be familiar with... Some of y'all live real close to him. He said, but it's too far away. He said, if I could find me a church where I would feel accepted with all of his baggage, I think I'd go there. So at that moment, I said, well, um, I'm a preacher. (laughs) He said, you're a preacher? And I thought, does it look that bad? (laughs) I said, you're more than welcome to come worship with us. And I told him where we were. He said, I I know where that church is. I might just show up. Our conversation ended and I drove off. And I just have to be honest with you. I got to thinking, I just invited a guy and told him he was welcome to come here. But would he 
feel welcome here? I mean, with all of his baggage, with all of his running with the wrong crowd, with all of his addictions, with all of his drugs, with all of his everything, seemed like a real good kid, but would, with all of his baggage, would he, would he feel welcome here? Would we receive him? Would we accept him? Would we invite him into our small groups? I'm just being honest. I don't know. I want it to be that way, but I just don't know. Because, you know, ministry is... Messy. Ministry is messy. Let me tell you another story. I love the story that Reggie Joyner tells about Frank. Maybe you've heard this story. I went to One Day Orange with Brian sometime back, and Reggie told this story. And Reggie said, you know, I've got my routine. I go shopping for Christmas on December 24th. Got my routine, I pull into the mall, I've got my same parking place, I enter through the same door. And he said he walked in on December 24th and, and he noticed there's this lady standing by this bathroom, by the men's restroom, an older lady. And he had his routine and he was like, can I help you? She said, my husband went into the restroom about 30, 45 minutes ago and he hadn't come out. Would you mind checking on him? And Reggie's like... I'll do that. So he said he went into the bathroom and he went through each stall. Her, her husband's name was Frank. And he's like, uh, Frank? Uh, Frank? As he went down the stalls and he finally gets to one, Frank? Yeah. Is everything all right? No. The short story is that Frank had soiled himself. And he needed some help. So Reggie said he kind of worked with Frank, got him cleaned up. He went out and he told Frank's wife, he's okay. I need to go down to this store. I need to get him some more clothes. So he went and bought him some clothes and he came back and got Frank dressed in some real young hip clothes. He says, really kind of neat. And Frank was good and he went out and he said, I left the bathroom and his words, Reggie said, I... I I had Frank all over me. I went shopping with Frank all over me. And Reggie says, you know, I tell you that story, and the reason I tell you that story is ministry is messy. You know, the one thing I love about church is the people. You know, the one thing that frustrates me most about church is the people. Because people are messy because we have so much baggage. And, and you know, when it comes to baggage, the messy, my messy doesn't bother me. Your messy bothers me. Your messy doesn't bother you. My messy bothers you. For example, if you were to come to our house, there's a room in our house, dining room, that I feel like it's my room. And so on our dining room table, I put all of my stuff. The bills, the paperwork, the junk, anything that I, when I walk in the house, I just, it's my mess. It doesn't bother me at all. It bothers Kelly. But my mess doesn't bother me. Now, Kelly has a mess of her own, which really is none of your business. I mean, you don't need to, you don't need to know how messy her nightstand is, but her nightstand doesn't bother her. Her mess doesn't bother her, but my mess bothers her. And my mess doesn't bother me. Her mess bothers... Other people's 
lives, other people's mess, other people's baggage. That's what bothers us, folks. That's why I wanted to do this series on messy, because I wanted us to come face to face. I want you to go home and look in the mirror at your mess. I want you to know it's okay for you to know you're messy. I want us to come face to face as a church with our mess, which is next week. I want us to realize that ministry is messy. So what are we going to do about messy? So I'm just going to throw up some random points today. Number one, the first thing I want you to know, and we've been talking about somewhere in here, being messy does not disqualify you from following Jesus. Being messy does not disqualify you from following Jesus. In fact, being messy is a prerequisite to following Jesus. Jesus isn't looking for perfect people. There are none. Jesus is looking for messy people. In fact, every single person that Jesus invited to follow Him was messy. They were sinners. They had baggage. They had all kinds of problems. Every single person that Jesus said, follow me, was messy. Being messy does not disqualify you from following, from being a follower of Jesus. It's a prerequisite. The only folks who resisted following Jesus were the people who thought they were perfect. The Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the church-going religious folks said, well, we, we don't want to follow Him. Listen, folks, there's no sin. There is no sin. There is no sin that you might have in your life. There's no habit, no addiction, no illness, no problem, no baggage, no best. No mess that, that puts you outside of following Jesus. Jesus says, hey, will you follow me? We looked at that when we talked about Matthew. Hey, Matthew, will you follow me? Doesn't ask him to do anything else. He just says, hey, will you follow me? And in the midst of your mess, in the midst of your baggage, I want you to know, I want you to know, I want, I want it to sink in. You are welcome here because you fit right in. Because we're all messy, whether we want to admit it or not. Number two, being an unbeliever doesn't disqualify you. Let me explain that in a couple of different ways. Being an unbeliever doesn't disqualify you. I hope you realize in a room this size, a smaller size, a larger size, we're all over the globe when it comes to believe in the same way. I just have to mention marriage, divorce, remarriage, the role of women, instrumental music, baptism. We're all over the place here. You don't have to agree with us to worship with us. Even the followers of Jesus weren't believers. It took some of them two years, two years to become believers. One of them, we call him Doubting Thomas. It took him three years to become a believer. Listen, folks, being an unbeliever doesn't disqualify you. You're in a good... There's some folks in here, we don't even know what we believe. Hey, Richie, what do you believe on? You could hit me on some subjects. I might say, I don't know. Being an unbeliever doesn't disqualify you. It doesn't matter how little faith you have. It doesn't matter if you have no faith. You don't have to believe everything just right to be a follower of Jesus. Number three. We need, let me see how I wrote it up here. We need to create a culture where messy always feels 
welcome here. We need to create a culture where messy always feels welcome here. And you know, messy hasn't always felt welcome in church. Divorced people haven't always felt welcome in church. People who don't dress the same way as us haven't always felt welcome at church. People who don't dress right have not always been able to serve in worship. People who don't wear ties haven't always been able to participate in worship. Why do you think we have white churches? Why do you think we have black churches? Because the welcome sign hasn't always been hanging up at church. Because we don't know how to deal with messy. Someone comes with all their baggage. We're like, uh, you might feel more welcome in a church down the road. Because we got it all together here at our church. Can you take your baggage down the road? I was in college ministry for 14 years. Wasn't that long ago. Been here 17-ish years. So not very long ago. We would see most of our college students on Wednesday nights. We were kind of a suitcase college, western Oklahoma. Come to class during the week, go home, do your laundry on the weekend. So we saw most of our college students on Wednesday nights. We'd probably run about 100 in our college class. Church would run about 200. And it became an issue early on because college students, you know college students, those of you who have been college students, they come dressed um, all different kinds of ways. And it became an issue. I know it became an issue because church folks were telling the college students, you need to go home and change. So the college students started asking me, Richie, can we wear whatever we want on Wednesday nights? You can wear whatever you want as long as you wear. Richie, I'm just leaving my lab. Can I just jump in the car and wear my lab coat? Sure. Richie, I'm leaving in mural football or, or, or basketball. Can I just come in my sweaty clothes? Sure. Richie, can we just wear whatever? One of my students, he would wear a shirt, I think, every week. Drove me insane. Just to illustrate college ministry, his favorite shirt said, I shouldn't tell you this. His favorite shirt said, Ski Naked Over Me. And I'm like, at least when you're up doing the prayer, can you change shirts? But we pretty much said, hey, if you're wearing clothes, we want you to show up. And they showed up. Because we wanted to create a culture. We weren't concerned with dress codes. We were concerned with lives. And I'm thankful for that eldership who said, you know what? We're more concerned with students showing up than we are about what they're wearing We're not that many years removed, even here, where people have said, Richie, why don't you tell them to go change? I want to create a culture where messy always feels welcome here. Always. All kinds of messy. The young man at Albertson's messy. People who say to you, I don't know if I can come to church, I still smoke. You'll fit right in. I don't know if I can come. I don't have nice clothes. I don't know if I can come. I've been in jail. I don't know if I can come. You've heard the list and their list says, with all of my baggage, I don't know if I would feel welcome at your church. That's not their problem. That's our problem. When Messi doesn't feel welcome here. I want us to create a culture where Messi always feels welcome with my college students, and I won't do a show of hands here. I, I, surely you know. 
We've got Baptist folks here today. We've got Methodist folks here today. We've got Catholic folks here today. We've got all kinds of background. You're welcome here. You're welcome here. I'm glad you're here. <clears throat> Create a culture of messy feeling welcome. Listen, folks, I don't want people to change so they can join us. I want them to join us so they can change. If they never join us, they never hear preaching. If they never join us, they never hear teaching. If they never join us, they never have relationships. If they never join us, they're never exposed to Jesus. What are we supposed to do? We make them feel welcome. Number four. Number four. We should strive to do everything to bring messy in instead of keeping messy out. Here's what I mean by that. You know what I mean by that. You've been in church as long as I have. I think sometimes the attitude is, let's do everything we can to send folks to hell instead of helping them get to heaven. Because they don't belong here. You know where they belong? They belong in hell. You, you, you know what I'm talking about. Don't look at me like... In Acts 15, they had a messy problem in their church. You read Acts 15. You want to know what the messy problem was? We'd had Jews for years and years and years and hundreds of years. And then the messy Gentiles, the messy Gentiles who didn't dress like the Jews, talk like the Jews, act like the Jews, believe like the... What are we going to do with the messy Gentiles? So we had a messy church problem. You know what we did? We had a big church. It's called the Jerusalem Council. All the church leaders and the apostles and, and Paul and Barnabas, and, and it's, they got together. What do we we can do with the messy folks who want to come to church, the messy folks who want to believe. And James, the brother of Jesus, James, the brother of Jesus, what would it take for you if you were the brother of Jesus to become a believer? Well, I guess maybe one day you see your brother crucified and a few days later you're having a conversation with him. I'm a believer. James, the brother of Jesus, says, it is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. We should not make it difficult for sinners who are turning to God. We should not make it difficult with people with baggage and messes who are turning to God. We should not make it difficult for anybody who walks through these church doors. I want us to create a culture where people feel like they're in and welcome. It hadn't always been that way. Hasn't always been that way. Maybe it's time we stop judging people and give them a chance. I could have judged the young man at Albertsons thinking, well, you know what, if you'd have stayed in church, you'd have never gone down that road. Let's just be honest, we're all judgmental. We're human. We're all judgmental. Maybe it's time we stop judging Maybe it's time the church stopped judging. I could just mention some categories and stir up feelings. Abortion. Homosexuals. Gay marriages. You know, church, there's a big difference between speaking the truth and speaking the truth in love. You can speak the truth and be very judgmental. Or you can speak the truth in love. Maybe it's time we stop judging. Again, we're all messy. Jesus died for me, just like the young man at Albertsons, just like the homosexual, just like Jesus died for all of us. So why are we judging? 
Maybe it's time we stop judging. Maybe it's time we stop condemning people. We condemn the messy lives of people. I just, here's my two cents. Here's my soapbox. I am so tired of people condemning the president and the politicians. Do I agree with them? I don't agree with them. But to condemn them in the way that some people do, give me a break, church. We're the church. We're Christians. How about instead of condemning, we come together and we start praying for them? Lord knows they need it. But we can do that without being condemning. Maybe it's time we changed our small group culture. So let me pick on small groups for a while. We've done small groups for years. Would the young man at Albertsons feel welcome in your small group? You have to ask yourself that question. We get so picky about our small groups. Anytime we say, hey, it's time to change small groups, I know what people say. They'll say, you're not leaving. How dare you leave our small group? How dare you leave our small group? Well, we need to break up our small group. Why would you want to leave our small group? What if some folks wanted to leave your small group to start a messy small group? I would like to think we would pray for them and we would lay our hands on them and we would support them and we would do whatever we can. But we get so cliquish in our small groups, messy can never get in. Maybe it's time we change that culture. Maybe it's time we started reaching out to our neighbors, people at work, and people who need Jesus. Maybe it's time we start another service. You've heard me say that for several weeks now. If Messi's not welcome here, can do we have permission to start another worship time where Messi will feel welcome? Is that all right? If we don't have permission to do that, do we have permission to plant a church where Messi would feel welcome? Let me tell you something. I don't need your permission to reach out to people. But do we need to do that? Are we so comfortable in our own mess here that we need to start a worship time for messy folks? Maybe it's time we stop, stop doing some things. Okay, two illustrations. Mike Iaconelli tells the story of Anne Lamont in his book, Messy Spirituality. I would recommend his book to you. He writes that in her book, he tells her story, but in her book, Traveling Mercies, she recounts her conversion to Jesus. She said things were not going well in her life. She was addicted to cocaine and alcohol. She was involved in an affair that produced a child whom she aborted. She helplessly watched her best friend die of cancer. And yet, during this time, during this entire time, she visited a church periodically. She'd sit in the back and listen to the singing, but she would leave before the sermon. During the week of her abortion, she spiraled downward, disgusted with herself. She drowned her sorrows in alcohol and drugs. She'd been bleeding for many hours from the abortion and finally fell into bed, shaky and sad, smoked a cigarette and turned off the light. In her words, she said, after a while, as I lay there, I became aware of someone with me. The feeling was so strong that I turned on the light for a moment to make sure no one was there. Of course, there wasn't. But after a while in the dark again, I knew beyond any doubt it was, it was Jesus. And she said, in her words, and I was appalled. I thought about what everyone would think of me if I became a Christian, and it seemed an utterly impossible thing that simply could not be allowed to happen. I turned to the wall and said out loud, I would rather die. She continues, finally I fell asleep. One week later, when I, when I went back to church, 
I was so hung over that I couldn't stand up for the songs. And this time I stayed for the sermon, which I just thought was so ridiculous. <laughs> I thought that was funny. But the last song was so deep and raw and pure that I could not escape. I opened up to the feeling and it washed over me. And then Iaconelli writes, he said, soon after she opened her life to Jesus and she was converted. Would, would someone like that, would someone with that baggage, I mean, she listed a bunch of stuff here. Would someone with a messy life like that feel welcome here? If not, can we, can we create a culture where people can find Jesus? Isn't that what we're about? Isn't that what church family, family is about? One more illustration. You've probably heard it too many times. But when I was in high school, I loved playing basketball. And we, we were a pretty rowdy bunch. I mean, we were mouthy. We would kick the basketball when we were angry. We would cuss. Technical fouls were rampant on our team. And then we got a new coach heading into our junior year. New coach. So we were going to whoop him into shape. But he came in and he changed our culture. Cussing, sitting on the bench. Technical foul, on the bench. Disrespectful, he would run our butts off. Because he was going to change our culture. He dug in, he stood firm, and he changed our culture. And in changing our culture, he changed us. And I've told you before, he, he changed me. He was one of the most, has been one of the most influential men in my life. He changed our culture. Churches sometimes justify their actions just like we justified our actions as basketball players. And churches sometimes don't want to change and they dig in and they stand firm and they're not about to change their culture no matter what. We are not changing our culture. If people don't feel welcome, it's their fault. They can go to church somewhere else. If people don't feel welcome, we send them down the road. If people need to know Jesus, we're not changing. Sometimes churches dig in. And Jesus comes into the picture to change the culture. And Jesus comes into the picture and says, you know what? I, I came to seek and to save the lost. I, I, I want everyone to repent. I want everyone to feel welcome. I want everyone to know God. I want everyone to be in heaven. I want everyone to be saved. And Jesus did whatever it would take, even changing the culture. And Jesus died a messy, messy death. So the people would be saved. So if we're not being a church that does what Jesus would do, then we should repent. And God, please forgive us when we're judgmental and condemning and people can't walk through the doors and find Jesus here. Ministry's messy, folks. Just like Reggie Joyner said, I've got my routines. I could have gone to the grocery store and it's not about me and I'm not bragging on me, but because of my series, I could have gone to the grocery store and got my groceries and gone out. But I thought, I need to strike up a conversation with this guy. This, this series is penetrating me too. I want you to know that. So that people I encounter, I want to 
Lord, whatever I need to tell them, whatever I need to say, help me to show them Jesus. And it's messy. My routine is buy my groceries, get in my car and go home. I didn't want to break my routine. I got routines. Listen, I'm type A. I'm all kinds of words that I can't say from the pulpit that you describe me as. I am so rut routine. Lord, would you break my routine if somebody needs to hear about you? Ministry is messy. Because people are messy. I need to tell you we're going to get messy next Sunday. Because I want us to be a church where messy's welcome. And I want us to stare messy in the face. Our messy. We offer the invitation of Jesus today. Jesus comes because we can't do anything with our mess. And Jesus died to clean up our mess. So today, will you yield to Jesus? Will you give your life to Jesus? You can't clean up your life. You can't clean up your mess. You've been trying. Look where you are. Same place I am. In my sins. So will you give your life to Jesus today? If you need to meet with our shepherds, they'll meet you in the back. They'll go to a private room. They'll pray with you, for you, over you. They'll lay their hands on you because they want you to be right with God. If you've never been right with God, if you've never been baptized, if you've never had the blood of Jesus wash your sins away, if you've never experienced that feeling where all the, all the mess goes away, Because I'm a new creation. I'm right with God. If you've never experienced what it means to be a new creation, baptized into Jesus, we want to help you and assist you with that today. Will you give your life to Jesus today as we stand and sing?